Begin in uh, Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 67. You know, every time we sing that song, that last hymn we sang, Near My God to Thee, it always brings back a story I heard about that hymn. Is that the famous ocean liner Titanic when it was about the, when, of course there wasn't enough lifeboats and so a lot of people had to stay on the ship. And they said the people on the lifeboats, they heard that the band on the ship was playing that hymn and the people were, they heard them, the, the band playing it and the people singing it that were still on the ship right before it went down. Uh, they were going to be very near to God very very shortly after that. So that whole ship sank to the bottom. And uh, I imagine that there was people there on that ship that were had their chance to... God gave them a chance to get right with Him and those who weren't right with Him and, and to repent and to, to get to, to know Him even in the 11th hour of their life. As it talks about Jesus... Uh, in the story of Jesus granting eternal life to the the thief on the cross in his dying moment and dying hour. And we read the story that Jesus gave of the parable of people who came to work in the vineyard at the last hour of the of the day. And we're granted the same reward. The message of eternal life is even for those on their last breath of life. As Jesus said today, you'll be with me in paradise. So every time we sing that hymn, I'm reminded of God's grace even in the uh, last hour of life that God put it in the heart of someone to remember to play that song. And to remind people of God's grace. In Luke chapter 1, I want to bring to remembrance in this festive time of year about what, he, what, God is plan, what God's plan is, what it was and what it is. As we go to verse 67, this is John the Baptist's father, Zechariah. The Holy Spirit comes upon him at the circumcision of his son, John the Baptist. Now his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed is the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us. In the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets, who have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant 
and the oath which he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the highest, for you will go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the forgiveness of their sins. Through the tender mercy of our God, with which the day spring from on high has visited us, to give light to those who sat in darkness, who sit in darkness and the shadow of death, and to guide our feet into the way of peace. This beautiful message of the coming of Jesus foretold by Zechariah and also with many prophets before him, as he mentioned, that we should be delivered from those who hate us. The Bible calls Satan the enemy of our soul. Who's come to rob, kill, and destroy. And this message of God sending His Son is a message not just for this time of the year, but all year. And as a child, I remember this different times a year and being raised and growing up and hearing about it, but never really connecting it with everyday life. And this is a message for us for everyday life from here to eternity. To be delivered from the hand of our enemies. We might serve Him without fear, in holiness and in righteousness, before Him, all the days of our life, all the days of our life here on this earth. We might be able to serve Him without fear. We might be able to serve Him in righteousness and in holiness, as He's promised. And so this is a message of hope for us for every day. And so we have been taught by Jesus to take life one day at a time, not to be anxious about tomorrow. Because there's enough trouble for today. And so every day, we focus on the day at hand. Until the day of eternity come. And it says in verse 77 again, to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the forgiveness of their sins, to the tender mercy of God. God is tender hearted. We think of someone who's tender hearted, they're sensitive to our problems and our needs, and have compassion on what's going on in our life. God is tender hearted and full of mercy. To give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death. To guide our feet into the way of peace. We experience darkness before Christ. And that darkness is very dark. Where we have no hope. Where we have false hope. 
but he sent Jesus to guide our feet into the way of his peace. We go to the next chapter, chapter 2, the birth of Jesus, verse 6. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. Chapter 2, verse 8. Now they were in the same country, living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Don't be afraid, for behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And we again ponder the words goodwill toward men, as I remember thinking about them, hearing them as a, as a kid. In a world that was turned upside down, there was great turmoil in our society then as there is now. There was a war going on in Asia this country is involved in very unpopular war there was social unrest and rioting and protesting and uh, drug addiction and people using all kinds of drugs and and uh, just the whole seemed like the whole society was falling apart when I was a kid to look at it there was threat of nuclear war the cold war there was a missile crisis where, they were, where Fidel Castro, Castro in Cuba was pointing Russian uh, atom, atom, atomic missiles at the United States from Cuba, which is just south of Florida. We were scared. And I asked myself the question, where is all this goodwill toward men? And I didn't understand it, of course. And the fact of the matter is, I came to understand later in life, that the goodwill toward men was from God Himself in sending His Son. This is the message of goodwill. That God has sent His Son into the world as, a, as His offering of goodwill. Peace between us and Him. And today we rejoice again in that. That God has spoken to us through His Son. He's expressed and demonstrated His love to us through His Son. To give light to those who sit in darkness. Goodwill toward us. This world is full of ill will. But between God and us, there's a message of goodwill. From a God of goodwill. So we go later in chapter 2 and verse 25. Another testimony 
from the Holy Spirit through a man named Simeon. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was just and devout, waiting for the hope or the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And so he came by the Holy Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to do for him, according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now let your... Now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all people. I'd like to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. This is when Joseph and Mary, on the eighth day after Jesus was born, brought Jesus into the temple in Jerusalem for his circumcision and to present him in the temple. And this man Simeon, this elderly man, who who God had revealed that he would not die until he saw the Messiah, the Christ. And so, he sees Jesus, the baby, eight days old, and he prophesies this prophecy. It says, my eyes, verse 30 again, my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all people. This is a testimony that is throughout all the world. To this day, the year 2020, is measured by how many days it's been, how many years it's been since God sent his Savior into the world year 2020. It's been 2,020 years since Jesus was born in this world. This message has gone out into all the world, even to places where it's outlawed. They can't stop it. It's even on the internet. There's many different forms that people can receive this message of God's goodwill to this very day. God has prepared it before the face of all the people for all to see it and behold it. Continue in verse 33. And Joseph and his mother marveled at these things which are spoken of him. And then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and the rising of many in Israel. And for a sign which will be spoken against. And yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also, <coughs> that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. This child, he said, is destined for the rise and fall of many. Many people are going to rise and be saved, and many are going to fall at the testimony of this message. And it'll be a sign which will be spoken against. Listen to the world around us. How bitterly some people speak against it. And so how arrogant and proud some people speak against it. And so, and even violently, 
Some people speak against her and have spoken against her. It's true. And it reveals the thoughts of many hearts. The Word of God says reveals the thoughts and intentions of a man's heart. It goes down into the soul. Verse 36, another testimony from Anna the prophetess. Now there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher, and she was of great age and had lived with a husband seven years from virginity. And this woman was a widow for 84 years, who did not leave the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. On coming in at that instant, she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of Him to all those who look for redemption in Israel. I want to think as we've read these these words to think of some of the words of Jesus and meditate on some of the thoughts of the things he said relating to what we've read so far and this announcement of the great um, blessing from God on high. (coughs) From Matthew chapter 7 and verse 24. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken them to a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat on that house, and it did not fall. It was was built upon or founded upon the rock. And everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house in the sand. The rain descended, Floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was his fall. And it was so when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority, not as the scribes. Yeah, he did have authority. Jesus said his words were not his own words, but the words that the Father gave him to speak. That's what he spoke. And he spoke with great authority. And the people recognized it. And Jesus said, if you hear his words, and you live them out, you do them, you are the wise man who built his house on the rock. This is about our life. This is about our life here. And then, Eternal life. It's about both. Building our house upon the rock is about hearing Jesus' words and following them. As Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice and they follow me. And another voice they will not follow. He tells us how to live. He tells us how we should live. And that's following Him. 
We should live like Him, He says. We build upon the rock every day. Or not. The wise and the foolish. These are the words He came to tell us. To build upon, build our life upon the right foundation. To hear what Jesus is saying and apply it to our daily lives. Every day. One day at a time. This is the life of those who have been converted. This is the life that Jesus died to give us. For us to live. The next one is in Matthew chapter 11. We've read this many times. It's very important to continue to meditate on this. Verse 25, Matthew eleven twenty-five. At that time Jesus answered and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven, that you have hidden these things from the wise and the prudent and revealed them to babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight. All things have been delivered to me by my Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son. Nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and the one to whom the Son wills to reveal him. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavily burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn from me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. This invitation... <clears throat> And this call is embraced by revelation. God revealing it to us. Christ revealing the Father to us. The Father drawing us to His Son. It says that God has hidden it from the wise and the prudent. The wisdom of the world. The worldly wise men. God hid it from them. And has revealed it unto those he chooses. He's revealed it unto babes, to those he chooses to reveal it. No one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and the one to whom the Son wills to reveal him. God revealing His Son to us. Everybody's heard about it, but not everyone understands it or embraces it. But to them who hear the call, He says, Come to Me. Learn from Me. Put My yoke upon you. And here's where you find rest. 
<clears throat> in the next chapter, in chapter 12, chapter, <clears throat> verse 33, <clears throat> either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for a tree is known by its fruit. Fruit of vipers, how can you being evil speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. But I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, they will give account of it on the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth that which is good. An evil man, out of the evil treasure of his heart, brings forth that which is evil. We read from the Old Testament, it tells us that his heart is deceitful and desperately wicked above all things, the heart of man. So, how can we become good? How can we bring good treasure from our heart if our, if the heart, if our hearts are desperately wicked? Now we come back around to the whole reason why we need a Savior. Why we need to be changed in our hearts. <clears throat> we need to be changed in our hearts. And Jesus said, we must be converted. The word converted means to be changed. And become like little children. He said, or there's no way we'll enter the kingdom of God. Conversion means change, and the, and the change he's talking about is within, in our hearts. Being born again. Being born of the Holy Spirit. God changing the desperately wicked heart. Who can know it, it says. God knows it. It says that, in the gospel, one of the Gospel accounts, it says that no one need to testify to Jesus about man. Because he knew it was in man. He sure does. He knew exactly what was in us. And he knew that's why he needed to give his life for us. That's why he needed to leave the throne from on high. And come down. And rescue us. Be born in Bethlehem as a baby. A lion of the tribe of Judah. And to, and to grow up. And become a man and testify in the ministry in his ministry and then give his life for us. Be raised from the dead, and now seated at the right hand of the Father, interceding for us. Presented his own blood at the right hand of the Father. He is our hope. He is our help. He is our salvation. He is the foundation that we build on. We build upon his, the foundation. We build upon the words he has commanded us. And he has a right to command us because he is King of kings and Lord of lords.
From the Gospel of Luke, chapter 14. Beginning in verse 27. Whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down and first count the cost, and whether he has enough to finish it? Lest after he has laid the foundation, he is not able to finish. All who see it begin to mock him and say, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going to make war against another king does not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000 or else while the other is still a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks conditions of peace. So likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has, cannot be my disciple. To pick up the cross and to follow Jesus. This is the cost of being becoming a Christian and continuing in Christ. In the parable of the sower and the soil, Jesus talked about those who believed for a time, for a while. But in time of testing and persecution, they were offended and they did not continue. Why? Because in life we begin to, God begins to show us and life begins to reveal what the Christ, what the cost of continuing Him is. Jesus says, He that perseveres to the end, the same shall be saved. There is a cost in continuing in Him. And Jesus said that many would be offended because of the wickedness of the world that many would become offended. Because iniquity abound, the love of many will grow cold. But we who heed the call, that's not us. Because He certainly gives us Everything we need for life and godliness. As it says in Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 4, that the promises of God are both for this life and the life to come. When God makes a promise, we can stand on it. God's promises are good. And we can stake our life on it. On the promises of God. We can build upon the things He's promised. To forsake our former way of life and to carry our cross. The way of the way is is hard. It's a straight and narrow road. 
that leads to eternal life. Crucifixion is hard. It's painful. And it's every day. Every day for the rest of our lives. Can you imagine someone hanging on a cross for their whole life? You begin to understand the crucifixion. To deny ourselves. To put to death the deeds of the flesh. The cross of Christ to bear it daily. <coughs> and for so is the kingdom of God. That he is taken up his cross, he gave his life for us, and now we're called to forsake our life, and to crucify the flesh, and its affections, and its desires, all the self-will, and the things of this life. There are many who believe they are disciples of Christ, but they reject the cross. The cross is a cup of pain and suffering, of persecution, of self-denial. <coughs> and many there are that reject that, but continue to profess that they're His. But Jesus says, So likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all, he cannot be my disciple, a follower of his. As we think about this baby who came to us in the manger, we remember that he didn't stay a baby. He grew up and became a man. And today we are contemplating, we are meditating on his words. These powerful words of life. And when Jesus spoke, he spoke with great authority. And as we read these words today, we hear the authority in the words that we read here from Jesus. And we're called to take heed to them and to embrace them because it's for our good. If I was going to build a house or put an addition on my house and I started it and I'm Building this house. Uh-oh. I'm halfway through. I don't have enough money to finish. What am I going to do? It says the neighbors are going to sit around and mock them. They're going to sit around and mock them. Look at this guy. He started building this house. <laughs> he don't have enough money to finish. And they'll say... And they'll... And they'll mock him for it. Hey, boy, how foolish was this guy? You know, that's exactly what happens when someone professes Christ. They began a, begin a Christian walk. But somehow, in some way, they don't continue. And people say, look at that guy. He professed to be a Christian, all his whole, all this stuff and preaching and everything, and now look at him. Now he's doing what he did before. He left his wife, he's living with another woman, or he's 
back to being a drunkard again, or he's doing this or that, or yes, we've seen it happen. Everybody's seen it happen. The mockery. We don't mock, but there are people in the world who will. And they'll laugh about it. We don't laugh. It's very serious. Counting the cost. People get offended when they realize what the cost is. Some will get offended of continuing to lay down our lives. In Galatians chapter 5, Beginning in verse 13. For you brothers have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself, but if you bite and devour each other, beware lest you be consumed by each other. We have been called, we who are in Christ have been called to freedom, to liberty. Remember when one of the testimonies we read in the Gospel of Luke, one of them prophesied under the anointing of the Holy Spirit that is a message of freedom, that God has freed us. Liberty, freedom. But it says here that He did free us. Christ freed us, but not He didn't free us to serve the flesh. But by love, serve one another. And isn't that interesting comparison between walking in the flesh, living in the flesh, being freed from the flesh, to serve one another in love. And the Lord brought this scripture to my attention this week as a reminder to me and to all of us that God liberated us through Christ to serve each other to serve Him, and to serve each other. Not self-serving, not self-seeking, not all about us, not in our own little world, not in our us-for-no-more kind of attitude, but to be giving of ourselves, and in love serving one another. Last night we were watching a Christian film called Kevin Can Wait. Some of you have seen it, many of you haven't. But it was about this young man who is 
praying and praying, God, use me in a big way. It's a fictional story. And so God sends him an angel and says, God's going to use you in a big way. And he begins imagining all the ways that God is going to use him. He's going to be his preacher of thousands of people. He imagined himself being like a Billy Graham. Or then he imagined himself being this missionary going on these adventures in faraway countries, being in the Amazon, floating on a, in a, in a canoe and everything, and trying to reach out to natives. And, and that's not to put down any of those things. And then the third thing was, he imagined himself being a Christian talk show host on, and having his own program called The Electric Churchman, believe it or not. All these imaginations. That God's going to use me in a big way. <laughs> Some of you remember this movie. And the angel said to him, Yeah, God is going to use you in a big way. I'm here to tell you that. It's not in a way that you might think. That may not get the kind of notoriety you may think. And as this movie goes on and the story unfolds, um, it begins to be revealed to Kevin that God is bringing people into his life to minister to. He's ignoring them. He doesn't even care about them. And so the angel disguises himself as several of these kinds of people. And then later on, he reveals to Kevin, hey Kevin, you know those people? Because that was me. And of course Kevin was astonished. He goes, well if I knew it was you, I wouldn't have treated you that way. He goes, that's right. He goes, fact of the matter is, he goes, you haven't been treating people like that right. He says, God has brought a lot of people into your path that you've been ignoring. That mechanic who has no friends with the greasy fingers. And all these other people, you've been a respecter of persons, he said. But God is bringing people into your life every day. People that you, you, that you may not think much of. But then he began to remind him of the words of Jesus. And as much as you've done it to the very least of these, you've done it unto me. And this is the message from Jesus to all of us. And not to use our our freedom for self-serving means, but to lay down our lives as Jesus did. And to serve one another as Jesus did. Greater love has no man than this, but a man lays down his life for his friends. Jesus not only laid down his life for us, but he left us a pattern, an example that we should follow in his footsteps. And we can either embrace it or reject that that pattern. But if we reject that pattern, we're rejecting him. Because that is the life that he's called us to. To reject that pattern, that example, is to reject his life. And that's the life we are called to live. And if we take that lightly, or ah, I'm too busy for that, or, you know, 
it's hard for me to love different kinds of people because they smell bad or they look bad or they're not really anybody of of reputation or anything like that or they got a lot of rough edges or they're really not living right or the life of Jesus. And as much as you've done it to the very least of these, you've done it unto me. Do not use your liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. But if you bite and devour each other, beware, lest you be consumed by one another. If we don't serve one another in love, and are strifeful, and arguing and, and biting at each other, it's a warning. Be careful. You don't destroy each other. It's a message. Churches, to neighbors, to families, marriages to every relationship God is bringing people into our path and there is a ministry no matter who you are if you're in Christ and to embrace that ministry because the least of these is who who are the least of these that God is bringing into our life because we might be overlooking them. the very least the very least of Jesus' brethren. Who are they? And Jesus said, Hosea, who is my neighbor? I want to finish with that. I'm going to open it up. 